We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Another episode here of Setting the Pace, and joining me is the frugal one, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Oh man, the frugal one. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing like that type of intro, you know. <laughs> but hey, I'm back, fresh off the anniversary trip slash baby moon. Was in Florida for a nice, relaxing getaway. Last getaway before uh, Amy and I become parents. So you know what, Alex, I'm actually happy to be back because you know I just miss talking Pacer basketball. Oh, yeah, I definitely missed having you on the show. Thankfully, we were able to record some and then release those while you were gone. And I, I think I just did one episode without you with Scott Agnes. Mm-hmm. So definitely miss you while you were gone. And, you know, I, I missed one last week, too. There's just been so much going on. But it's it's the month of March. We got the NCAA tournament coming out, Fachi. You know, that the brackets are set. Everybody's getting ready to get those picked out. We haven't even done ours yet. But I do want to say we have some exciting news. If you missed it over the weekend on social media, we are launching a Substack now. If you, if you were a subscriber of what I had originally started called the Blue and Golden, that is no more. I have discontinued that Substack that has vanished from the internet. Now, the good news is we have a new Setting the Pace podcast Substack that is going to be really cool because, Fachi, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when we were selling our t-shirts, we had some people from the hearing impaired community reach out and say, I'd like to buy some of your shirts. I can't listen to your show, but I like your guys' Twitter stuff and your articles and stuff like that. And I thought, man, that's really cool. I wish there was a way that we could kind of make our podcast uh, available for them. And so it's one of those things where like, I don't want to do a ton of written content with our art, with our podcast. So people don't listen to the show because that's kind of what, you know, we want people to do is listen, but we also wanted to give that option to those that aren't able to listen. So I thought this was a great, avenue for us to kind of take to try to like reach a different community 
Of course, everybody has different preferences. And I think that this is going to be great. Plus, I mean, with, with draft content coming out, I mean, March Madness being here, it's just there's so much exciting stuff going on when you want to learn about these prospects that we might not have time to talk about every prospect. But what you just put out with your NBA draft big board, it, it's it's exciting. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's next to come. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's really cool. And so there's always those fun times where we have Fachi doing his facts with Fachi. So mm-hmm. be on the lookout for that. Maybe we'll put that in the written content as well. I can do that for Fachi since I know Fachi is going to be a dad here soon and <laughs> full-time, uh, you know, management of sales, right, Fach? So oh, yeah. uh, it's like not the easiest thing for you to do. And trust me, I'm, I'm still trying to find time to write as well. And that's kind of why I dis- Continue the blue and gold. Now, I will say this. I might keep that as like a, a sub thing for setting the pace, but I wanted all of our content to be on there. So if you're not already, it's very simple. We're not charging anything. Just go to setting the pace podcast. It's a mouthful. Substack.com. We're going to put a link in the podcast here in your description so you guys can follow that link right away. But I would just encourage you guys sign up for our emails because we do a lot of giveaways, Foch, and we might even make it to where we do most of our giveaways through Substack. So that way it's, that's way that's a lot easier to do than doing it via Twitter because look, not everybody that listens to our show, you know, follows us on social media on Twitter. Maybe they're on Facebook, maybe they're on Instagram, maybe they're not on social media at all and they just like the podcast. So if you like written content as well as audio content, this is going to give us another platform to do that on. But Fachi, uh the big board, you, you said you looked at it. Obviously, I'm sure that it doesn't line up with everything that you're thinking, but anything that you want to talk about from, from my uh, debut article for setting the pace podcast.substack.com. Yeah. The one thing I would say, and you and I spoke a tiny bit offline about this trace Jackson Davis, I felt like was the riser on there. Seeing him at pick 24, probably the earliest that I've seen him over the last few weeks. It seemed like he went from second round pick to late first round pick to now kind of climbing his way up. Uh, that was probably the highest I've seen him on draft boards. And in some, he could actually be perhaps the only senior taken in the first round. I mean, tell me about your, your thoughts behind Trace at pick 24. Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I've been seeing him rise up boards as well. Uh, I think that he's a really good player, Fachi. And I think mm-hmm. anywhere from like that 25 to 35 range, it's really interchangeable. I mean, I had him at 24, so you could you could even say 24 to 35, whatever. I'm just I'm just throwing a number out there. I think once you get past like the top 15, 16 players, it can be kind of come interchangeable for certain things. Now, definitely think he's in a different tier than like the top 20 for sure, just because he doesn't shoot any threes, hasn't taken a three point attempt all season long for IU. So that's a little bit concerning for the NBA is his lack of shooting. But I will say this: look at what Memphis has done. The last couple of drafts, they've they've taken guys like David Roddy, uh, Laravia, Jake Laravia. They they kind of took them early when everybody had them pinned as late first, early second round picks, and they were not afraid to take them because they fit their timeline of what they're trying to do with their team and specific type of players. And I think Trace could kind of fit in that same, uh, fit in that same type of uh, mold right there because I, I feel like he makes a lot of sense actually for a team like Memphis. You know. Uh, a guy that can defend, uh, a guy that's you know got huge hands, able to pass the ball. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to see a back-to-the-basket type of game from him in the NBA, which could be problematic, but I do think that he's a good uh, lob threat type of player. And I, I think that with that ability, with his passing ability that he's improved upon this year, 
and his rebounding, his feel around the rim. I think there's a spot for him in the NBA, and I think that he could be a really nice, you know, veteran rookie type of player because he is a little bit older. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm definitely excited. I think that he's someone who, with a big March Madness tournament, you know, maybe he is creeping up to 24 and potentially above. That's the exciting thing about this is keeping an eye on these big boards and seeing how it changes over the course of the next virtually two weeks because mm. uh, there's going to be a lot of risers. There's going to be people that who fall down in, in the boards. That's kind of the fun part of this time of the year is like, Who's that name that no one's talking about that we're going to see, you know, skyrocket up? I'm not sure who, but I'm going to be keeping my eyes open to see, you know, how these boards are changing on a daily basis. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, the tournament definitely is going to change things. You're going to find players that could be eligible, go back to college. We've seen that happen quite a bit, too. Mm -hmm. So guys that are maybe even in the top 30, 35, go back to college because, hey, if next year's class is weaker, and they could become a top 15 pick. Well, that's more guaranteed money. So it makes sense to go back to college for another year and get some more experience under your belt and try to get yourself in a better position because there is somebody on this uh, on this roster or on this big board, I should say, Jalen Huchifino, another Indiana player that's a freshman. And I think he is NBA bound. And I have him actually number 14 on my big board, Fachi. And a lot of people are kind of sipping the Kool-Aid for Jalen Huchifino. I've seen him rising up a lot of boards as well. Now, some people probably have him more in like the 15 to 20 range. Maybe 14 is a little bit high, but I, I believe in his defense and stuff like that. But he's a guy that honestly, I think if he went back to Indiana, which I don't think he will, but if he did, you could make the case that he's a top five, six pick next year. And does that change like maybe how he views this year's draft? Like, does he want to be into the lottery or does he want to be, you know, a top five, top six pick where maybe he can uh, get more money and maybe get a better um, better spot in the rotation because of the high pick value. Yeah, it's very interesting. The last couple of weeks, he's been someone that I've seen climbing up and up. So, well, let's see what he can do in the tournament. Uh, a couple other guys that 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 I saw they had. Uh, you had Cam Whitmore, I believe, at pick five, mm -hmm. which I mean, he's someone who's been been rising as well. I saw for Kevin O'Connor put up his recent updated mock draft and had him at around eight. But there was a lot of uh, you know. I think you did a great job for rolling this out of like being very similar as to where some of the experts are, are placing these guys. So I don't think there was anyone that you had on there that I was like, wait, what is this? I mean, mm. it, it seems pretty in line with what the experts are saying. So I want to give you credit on that. Yeah. I mean, we were looking at one yesterday that wasn't from an expert, but you know, someone that, that covers basketball and they had like Amani Bates in the top 25 or something like yeah. that. Ah. And most of the experts that I listen to have Imani Bates at like 55 to 60 range. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's a little bit far-fetched, you know, and, it, and it's hard to watch all these prospects, you know, so I watch bits and pieces of them and, and, and break down what I can. And like, you know, it's hard not to have a pacer centric lens on it too, mm -hmm. just because you're thinking, okay, if we're in this position, who do we want to draft? But I will say this, I, I really tried my best to try to make this more NBA uh, with a more NBA lens than a pacer centric lens, because you know, for example, like Keontae George, the Pacers don't need another small guard like that. So at eight, you know, that's kind of where they're projected to pick probably. I think they're sixth or seventh right now with the worst record. In the Currently tied for six, but in that eight spot. Okay, that makes sense. And so now you're thinking, okay, do they really want uh, Keontae George? I mean, probably not. But yeah, that that's kind of where it's at. Now, I will say this. You were... You were texting me over the weekend because you were watching the Big 12 tournament. Mm -hmm. We had Kansas versus West Virginia. 
you know that I've been talking highly of a player from Kansas by the name of Grady Dick. And you were like, ah, not really impressed, not doing too much right now. And what's really funny, on the other side, good listener of the show, Ricky Kelly, messaged me today and said, nice big board, really intrigued by Grady Dick. And I just started <laughs> laughing because I said, Bocce's on like the complete opposite spectrum and Ricky's pretty intrigued. So I, I'm just curious your thoughts on Grady Dick after watching him against your West Virginia team. So watch the full game. First half, very slow. At one point, he had as many fouls as shots made. But then in the second half, he definitely came alive. I mean, he did it on the offensive end. Actually did it on the defensive end as well. Took a great charge towards the end. I think he ended up finishing with, I want to say like, it might have been 18 points or so, uh, 17, 18 points. So he looked good. You know, obviously we know that he can shoot the ball, but I'm seeing him climb up. I mean, you had him at, at I think, pick 11 Kevin O'Connor had him at pick 10. So Grady Dick is starting to make his way into the top 10. And for me, who, you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant on him just because you want, when you're picking the top 10, you're the Pacers, you you want to find a superstar. I don't know if he can be quite that, but obviously the kid is definitely talented and someone will get a good player in Grady Dick. Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't really think of like the 6 to 14 range as superstar no. level. I mean, I when you're talking with Benedict Matherin at six, though. I know, but do you see superstar? I mean, maybe. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I mean, but it's like it's hard to tell. Like usually, when you're aiming for the superstar, like the go, like the guy that's going to be your go-to guy, you're talking you're talking top three, top four. Yeah. So maybe not superstar, but all star. And yeah. I think once you start to get to ten, you start to get a little like, oh man, I hope I hope this could be an all star player, but it could just be a good rotational player mm -hmm. and that's why like guys like Gigi Jackson are high on some people's boards because he has the potential to be yes. like that I think he's kind of like this year shade and sharp to a certain degree a good old mystery box mm -hmm. but he, at least there is a little bit of a college yeah. sample size unlike unlike Shaden but you know what I mean like the high upside there because if you if you draft him like you know you're taking a high upside swing so that's kind of where it's tough but I do think Grady Dick like like you said, smart basketball player, took the charge at the right time. And with, with that high basketball IQ, his ability to shoot, he's a connector. You know, he's got to get better at on-ball defense, but I think as a team defender, he's pretty good. So to me, it does make sense for why teams would like him in the lottery because I think he's a plug-and-play right away type of guy, and he's pretty young. Yeah, and my last comment on on uh, on the big board, unless you had anything else, was Chris Murray's rising. Oh, I mean, a couple I'm a big fan. Ago, we were talking about a couple weeks ago, hey, you know, maybe Murray could be there potentially at the Cavs pick or so. I mean, I think you had him at 18. Kevin O'Connor's got him at 15. This wow. is the type of – exactly. This is the type of guy that's like with a March Madness tournament, I mean, could he solidify himself as a lottery pick as a junior when the, what looks like as the top 14 players all being freshmen? That would be a statement right there for a guy that's really grown his game over the last few years. Yeah, and I, and I and I know this isn't really fair to him, and it's not fair to the other prospects, but because of what his brother is doing for Sacramento right now, it's helping his case. And that sounds so dumb and kind of stupid, but it's just like Keegan Murray is such a poised player already for Sacramento in his first season with high upside. I think people view Chris Murray as like Keegan Murray light, and I know that's what Kevin O'Connor, I believe his like pro comparison was like left-handed Keegan Murray or something like that. Like, I don't think he's at the same level as Keegan is, but I think he has a lot of the same qualities that you like about Keegan because he's 
low maintenance. He's poised. He's a good rebounder, good defender, good shooter. You know, he's not going to do anything like flashy. He might be a little bit stiffer than Keegan in terms of his movement, but overall he's got a lot of the same tendencies. And I think that is a guy similar to Grady Dick. You can plug and play right away and feel really confident about what he's going to do. So, I mean, he could fall just because he's a little bit older, but like if you're, if you're looking at a team like Golden State when they were at 14 and they took uh, Moses Moody after the Pacers took Chris Duarte, like Keegan Murray is someone I think that the Warriors would be like highly interested in because of his ability to play right away. So that's where I'm at with him. I think that 15 to 20 range makes sense because you're going to see teams that make the playoffs, but you know, they probably get balanced in the first round or whatever like that looking for pieces that they can add right away to help. And that that's what makes sense to me. The other thing I wanted to bring up about the big board is I'm curious your thoughts. I, I moved Brandon Miller up to two and moved Scoot Henderson down to three. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Miller is someone who, you know, you're going to see him in March Madness. You're not going to see Scoot Henderson. And I think this is a big opportunity for Brandon Miller. Does At this point, does not look like the, the legal issues that are going to be of any issue. So I think that teams would feel more comfortable with him in that you know second second overall pick, and the man is a stud. He really is. I know <laughs> there was a couple weeks ago we were talking about like, yeah, if the Pacers can find a way to maybe get to four, and if he could be there, he ain't gonna be there. It, it, it's two or three for him, and and I think that right now you're starting to see that a little bit more when it looked like all year it was Victor and then Scoot at one and two. Yeah, I will definitely say there's a big drop-off from three to four mm-hmm, in this definitely. draft. No offense to Jairus Walker, Cam Whitmore, the Thompson Twins, anything like that. I just think Scoop, Brandon, and Victor, those are your top three without a shadow of a doubt. And for me, it's more like a 2A, 2B type of thing, Fachi, with yeah. these two players for me because Scoot Henderson is a freak of nature. Like, if you've watched him play at all in the G League, I think even Woj said it today that teams are kind of, urge, I guess, basketball minds, GMs, that kind of stuff are starting to lean Brandon Miller over Scoot. I think part of it's just Scoot's size and the way the NBA has become so switchable because I, Scoot Henderson's only six foot two. Now, he plays much bigger than that because of how strong he is and how high he can get, but people love length, and the body type of Brandon Miller is like the model body type you want in a draft pick. Really? Is. Very similar build to a Jason Tatum and a Paul George type of player with, you know – all the stuff that's been going on, he's been playing well through it. Not saying that it's a good or bad thing, because obviously this is a weird situation, but I'm just saying like, there's been controversy. There's been things being said to him and he's been able to play through what's happened off and on the court. So I think that when you look at this type of player, there might be red flags, but I think that because there is no like legal stuff going on with him and he wasn't charged for anything, that that's going to give him the clear. But I, I just think talent-wise, if you're not looking at off-the-court stuff, just pure talent-wise, man, I, if you're projecting, it, it feels like you could project him into being like a top-five player in the NBA one day. It feels like that. Like, he very much has superstar potential, and so does Scoot. But when you're talking about size, I mean, 6'9", 6'11", wingspan, guy as a freshman averaging 20 points per game, eight rebounds, a block, 40% from three on over seven attempts. I mean, that's that's a healthy, you know, serving size right there from three-point yeah. land. And I just feel like he, to me, does he does feel like a Paul George-esque type player. And those guys do not 
grow on trees. And Scoot, like to, to your point, as as awesome as, as he is and, and, and the potential there, 6'2 versus 6'9, I'm sorry, but give me the 6'9 guy every day. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, Fachi. So let's go ahead and kind of wrap this up. Obviously, if you haven't read the full rankings uh, or the full big board, check that out. Like I said, there's going to be a link in the description so you guys can just click it there. It's not, if not, you can go to my Twitter, Facebook, wherever. I've shared it multiple different places. But let's move on, Fachi, because now lots of interesting things to talk about here with the Indiana Pacers. You know, they've got 14 games left. We were recording this before the Pistons game on Monday night. So, probably 13 games after this one, but 14 games as of now. Standings are all over the place, and we've got some key injuries to some of our guys. We've got injuries where guys aren't playing in these games. So where do you want to start? I mean, let's talk about these injuries right now because the Pacers for a while outside of Tyrese Halliburton going down against the Knicks earlier in the year, they remained a pretty healthy squad. And right now, injuries are starting to pile up. You know, we we, we can start with, I mean – which player do you want to start with? Because, like I said, they're piling up. I think we got to start with Benedict Matherin just because we it. know the, the injury was an actual injury. It wasn't one that we're like, oh, maybe they're just sitting him out against the Pistons for uh, <laughs> for tanking reasons or whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, I think Matherin's ankle injury, that was pretty scary when it happened. He left the game immediately, did not come back. That was against the Rockets on Thursday, ruled out before Saturday's game for Saturday and Monday. So I thought that was pretty telling. Unfortunately, Matherin had been an Ironman for the Pacers, hadn't missed a game all year before that. So really a bummer for him not to be able to play all 82 games because I'm sure that was a goal of his. But this just really stinks because I think this might set back some of his development time and maybe some opportunity here to play him and Halliburton together. You know, we've talked about how just about every player could use some rest from time to time, except Benedict Matherin. He was the one guy that you really felt like, even in the the, the last couple of games, say the last 13, 14 games, those were valuable games because, A, we wanted to see him more with Halliburton, but also we wanted to see him in that starting lineup. Like, what could those two really be in extended minutes and I still feel like we just didn't get to see it this year. But I, I really hope that down the stretch he would be even more featured. And now you're at this crossroads of like, well, what do you do? You don't want to rush him back and risk you know hurting him. But you also don't want to just throw the towel in what could be extremely valuable time for him to grow uh, and really come into you know more of like an alpha on this team in the starting lineup. And for that, this is the one guy that you really feel like, oh, this is a huge shame. Obviously, you don't want to wish an injury upon anyone, but not our Benedict Matherin. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like nobody wanted to see this guy hurt, right? So, and nobody expected it because we haven't seen it happen. But, you know, when I had Scott Agnes on on Friday, he talked about, Ankle injuries can be pretty serious, and look how long it took Chris Duarte to recover from his. You know, it took about six weeks, and if that's the case for Benedict, then he might be done for the year, Mm Fosh. And I think that's a bit of a bummer because you wanted to see him play. But I'm at the point now where I'm cautious. You know, I'm I'm, I'm erring on the side of caution more than anything because I really want to make sure that our guys are healthy going into the offseason so they can better themselves for next season because I don't think this year – is what the end game is all about. I think this nah. year is great for development, Fachi. It's great for growth. We've already seen development and growth from this team. I think every Pacer fan is excited for the future of this team because we're probably just one or two pieces away 
from feeling like legitimate contenders in the Eastern Conference. And I know that sounds crazy, but with the elevation that Tyrese Halliburton has taken, the way he's become, dare I say, superstar level player, Fachi. I mean, you very well could. Honestly, could say that. I'm not trying to just like look at this with rose colored glasses. I mean, literally, the guy, the way he's been playing this year, he feels like a superstar in the making. I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's got the potential to get there. What you've seen from Matherin in his rookie season, and then who knows what's going to happen in the draft lottery. You feel really good about this. So that's the only problem that I hate about this stuff is the injuries. Halliburton has missed quite a bit of time since January. He missed how many games in a row was it? 12 games. 12 games in a row, and then he's missed uh, the ga- two games against Detroit. So you're talking 14 games that he's going to miss from the season. You know, Miles has not really had too many games where he's missed. Like, he missed some at the beginning of the year, but he's been pretty consistent since then. He's out with, a, I think, it's a sore back. Mm-hmm. And that that back injury, we've heard about it for a while. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is something that he's pushed through, but has probably been lingering. And to your point about Miles, this has been a relatively healthy year for Miles. Oh, yeah. So it's just like he more than gets a pass here because – We've seen the last, like, two years, Turner wasn't even finishing the second half of the year. So he's been healthy. So shout-out to Miles. Yeah, and then and then the other one, TJ McConnell, he'll miss tonight's game as well, and he missed the game before that. So just a lot of interesting injuries. Thankfully, they have enough players now that they want to see where these injuries don't matter as much. I think, especially against Detroit, Detroit's missing over half their team as well because mm-hmm. they're out with injuries, and some are done for the year, like Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart. You know, Jaden Ivey's injured, Bojan Bogdanovich, I think they said they're shutting him down for the year. So th- this is a team that's definitely trying to give these young guys a chance and see what they got before they go into the draft and stuff like that. But the one that kind of surprised me over the weekend was Buddy Heel. Questionable yeah. to play tonight. What's up with that? So that's the thing is, like, Buddy, he's our lone remaining Iron Man. Buddy's played in every single game this year. So seeing him pop up on the injury report – kind of had me being like, what? I, I don't know about that. And like, look, I'm no doctor. The last name is Fauci, not Fauci. But <laughs> in this situation, you like to feel that that he's probably going to play. He's got left foot soreness. I think he, he he plays through it. But, you know, when the Pacers are resting these many players, they, they very well could rest one more. But I just don't know if Buddy will let himself not play in this game. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Buddy doesn't miss games at all. Like, he is he is the Iron Man that Benedict Mather was competing against, and they hadn't missed a game all season long. And so now it'll be interesting to see if he plays or not. I, I think Buddy has not been shooting the ball as well, so maybe there is something actually bothering him. And he's playing through, like, maybe he's like 75 80% he's playing through because that's what Buddy does. But, I mean, if there's any time to get a rest day in and take a game off, I think this game against Detroit is probably the right game to do it. I completely agree because the Pacers are in a spot now where I don't think they're really trying to win, but the schedule has been softer. You're talking about beating Houston. You're talking about beating the Pistons even when you're without a few starters. Then you're talking about playing the Pistons again. It's like – these are the two worst teams in the NBA. So some of these games are hard to lose, but the Pacers' talent is just better than the Pistons' talent when they don't have, you know, when the Pistons aren't playing, you know, they're, they're Bogdanoviches and they're, they're Jaden Ivies and, and so on. So I feel like you could afford to rest Buddy in this game because, I mean, look, Alex, we'll get into the standings a little bit later, but the standings could go either way with a win or a loss, and it's getting a little bit scary. 
Yeah, that that's a good point, Fachi, because we're right there, and, and we'll get into it like you said, but do you think the Pacers are purposely maybe trying to, like, disadvantage themselves to, from winning this game to try and, and help Houston maintain that worst record in the NBA? Uh, that it, it very well could be. I mean, no one will ever admit to it, but at the same point, I, I think it's like, Hey, you know what? Like, look, let's 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 take it easy over here. The, the thing that is a little <laughs> bit interesting is Carl. I was saying, oh, you know, those guys are going to be out to at least the Milwaukee game. We ain't beating Milwaukee. I mean, <laughs> that, if that that's a game that you should rest, you should you know extend this rest a little bit you know longer because if anything, if you really want to win, you should play the guys against the Pistons and then rest against Milwaukee. But I completely understand. You know the hey, what what's one more game of rest to get an extra day or two? Yeah, for sure. The Pacers have fourteen games remaining. Fachi, or, uh, Fachi, actually, I think it's only ten. Excuse me. They have fourteen games remaining for the season. Ten games remaining this month. Uh, and this is obviously, like we said, we're recording this before the Pacers play the Pistons tonight. You probably be listening to this tomorrow or tonight um, after they've already played that game. So really, they've only got nine games left. But I just looking at the schedule, I keep seeing people on social media saying, oh, the Pacers are going to mess this up. They're going to get into the play-in tournament. They're they're not going to get into the lottery. And what are we doing? You know, we got such an easy schedule left. And I'm looking at the schedule, Fachi, and aside from the two games against Detroit that we have left and the game against Charlotte, what games look easy to these people? I don't know. Maybe they're looking at that OKC game on the on March 31st, but even OKC is basically a 500 team on the year. Mm. So it, this ain't the same OK, OKC of the past. So outside of those Piston games, uh, the, the remaining games are, are pretty much playoff teams, if not play-in teams. I mean, you're talking about playing Milwaukee twice. I mean, you're talking about still playing Boston. I know we played Boston well this year, but how many times can you play Boston that well? Yeah. So I, I do think there are the teams that we're playing have more at stake than the Pacers, and I know that we're right on the cusp of the play-in game, but those other teams are actually looking to solidify playoff spots compared to battling for the 10th spot. Yeah, and that to me, it's like, you know, you talk about the, the schedule too. It's like, well, the Pistons are on the road, so that'll be another road game. Milwaukee is on the road. Then they come home for – the 76ers, but then they're back on the road again. Charlotte, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta. Oh, and then you get to come home, and guess who you get to play? <laughs> you get to play Dallas and Milwaukee. <laughs> so it's like, and those are two teams trying to win. Then you got OKC after that to kind of wrap up that homestead, and then all of a sudden you're back on the road against Cleveland. They're trying to win games, Fachi. And then we know that this team will hardly ever rest players, and that's Tom Thibodeau's New York Knicks. We still got two more games against them, and they've been playing incredible basketball. They already have 40 wins this year, Fachi. I don't think either of us saw them probably being in the top six. I think we probably had them more as in the playing range. Mm -hmm. Even though they got Jalen Brunson, I mean, nobody expected them to take this big of a leap, but they've really done a great job. And I think teams like Miami and Toronto have, and, and Atlanta too, have been a little bit of a disappointment this year. And coming into the season where we thought they were going to be at. And obviously we know Brooklyn, they kind of tore their thing up with trading uh, KD and Kyrie. But I mean, overall, I'm just looking at everything and I'm just like, it doesn't feel like while there are some easy games left, it doesn't feel like there's significantly, uh, there's an, a significant amount that's going to impact the overall standings. No, I, I don't. Because when you, when you go through there, it's just, man, I mean, the home games that you talked about, those are tough games. 
The Pacers on the road, totally different story. They're 12 and 21. They still have a winning record at home. So at uh, I want to say it's it's 19 and 16 at home. So those are those are tough games. And when you're talking about Dallas, who the Pacers ironically beat recently, eh, it feels like you're probably not going to win that game this time around. And I know I've sold the Pacers short, but they did beat Cleveland earlier in the season. This one's in Cleveland, one of the best home teams in the league. So that's yeah. going to be extremely tough. Right now, I think that during this stretch, you're kind of hoping, look, if the Pacers are to rest some guys, is this our chance to see a little bit more of Chris Duarte, you know, to see if he remains on this team or O'Shea Brissett before he hits free agency or maybe even, a you know, Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson who looked good the other night. This is an opportunity for those guys. But for the Pacers, I, I think if they're serious about making the play-in, Game, then I, you, you got to be really cautious on how many times you're resting players because let's kind of break it down if, if you're ready for the standings. I mean, the Pacers right now, they're in the 11th spot, uh, but they're half a game out of 10th. They are one game out of ninth, So they're right over there. But then things get so close that we talked about earlier in the episode, Pacers tied for sixth. Well, you know what? They're also tied for eighth in terms of the lottery standings. Mm-hmm. And if they uh, win a, a game or two, Alex, there's a scenario where they're about two games back of potentially picking 14th. Now that is scary. <laughs> yeah, well, I got some good news for you because I think 538 does a great job with their projections and they project the overall final records for each team. And looking at their projections right now, Fachi, they have the Pacers finishing with a 36 and 46 record. That means they would get five more wins on the season. However, that would put them at the sixth worst record in the NBA. I can live with that. Portland, 37 and 45. They would be seventh. Washington, 38 and 44, as well as Chicago, 38 and 44. So obviously we know that things can change based on Towards the end of the season, like the last four games of the year, do the Pacers just say, okay, let's shut Tyrese down, let's shut Miles down? Like, you know, if they're really trying to position themselves for some losses, because it's important to develop and it's important to win games, but it's not important to get into the lottery or excuse me, get into the play in. They want to get into the lottery, right? So that's that's the fine balance you have to do. And I mean, last year the Pacers, they ended the season on a 10 game losing streak, Botch. I mean, it was not fun to watch, but. At the in the back of your mind, you're thinking, hey, you know what? These losses are getting us a better opportunity at the first overall pick in the draft. And ended up walking away with Benedict Mather. And so I mean, would you trade 10 losses in a row again this season to close the season out if it got you somebody with the caliber of Benedict Mather? Absolutely. Those 10 <laughs> losses were beyond essential. Look, Shaden Short, you know, he ended up going seventh overall. I mean, good player. Good, good player. He has not flashed the potential that Benedict Matherin has. And I think this year, the Pacers being able to get Matherin at sixth, and you had to do it. You had to lose 10 straight games in order to do it. It was worth every single loss. Yeah. Well, and here's some good news, Steve, for you, Fachi. I'm looking at the toughest remaining, the remaining schedule strength on Tankathon. Pacers have the eighth toughest schedule remaining. Now... Portland has the sixth toughest. Chicago has the ninth toughest. But our good friends from Washington, they have the 21st toughest remaining schedule. So keep them up there. OKC, 24th toughest remaining. So some of those teams that are like in the same vicinity as us, Fachi, 
it doesn't feel like it's going to be too bad. Now, Orlando, they have the 14th toughest remaining schedule. So, you know, they're kind of like right there in the middle. I don't think that we'll end up losing enough games to catch them. But you're looking at a team like Chicago. They're veteran heavy. They want to win games. Washington, they have no desire to lose games. They're trying to win with Bradley Beal, Porzingis, Kuzma, that kind of group. So, to me, Portland's the one that kind of makes sense, but why they might go the other way. And that might be somebody to keep an eye on because last year, Portland, I believe they were they were seventh and they didn't move up. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, the Kings at six moved up. And that was the only movement we really saw. So, you know, if the Pacers can just finish maybe with the sixth or seventh worst record in the NBA, I think that's the best bet moving forward. And I could really live with that. Look, we knew probably after about two or three weeks, okay, there's no shot that we're going to be picking first or second overall. Like, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mathern are just far too good. Buddy was playing really good. Turner's playing really good. Like, it, it just felt like, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe this team could solidify another top 10 pick. And I could definitely live with that. If the Pacers are to land the fifth or sixth pick, that's that's a home run given that the the young core that's on this roster that will continue to develop. I, I think that you would have seen that, Hey, if the Pacers really wanted to, they could have gotten into that play-in and then sacrificed the draft pick. But what would it really have meant? You know, you could have played a couple of competitive games to have been within striking distance of that, but end up with sixth, seventh overall pick. That is a major win for the Pacers, and that is everything that I'm hoping for. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I'm just ready for this team to develop and keep racking up losses just because – I can't get away from what Pritchard said at the press conference after the trade deadline. Exactly. It, it just, it's like, I think about it literally probably once or twice a day. It's just like, I get asked, what do you think the Pacers are going to do? Why are they trying to win games? And it's just like, okay, let's just take a deep breath. There's still plenty of games left to lose. Okay. Okay. There's, there's plenty of time to continue to go on the path that you want to go on. And that's position yourself for better draft pick. And I'm telling you what, Baji. After doing this big board, I am really excited about this draft class. And I like a lot of guys, even in like the 20 to 25 range. And I don't feel like that was the case last year for me. I was kind of like, okay, you know, yeah, I kind of like this player, but I wasn't in love with them. There are a lot of players I'm really intrigued by in this draft class. So I think the Pacers kind of have their eyes set on doing something special with this draft class. And they know how how good it can be. So I, I, I think that they know in the bottom of their hearts, like, hey, we love you. We love this team. We, we love what they've done this year, but let's not jump ahead of schedule too much where we position ourselves to not to not get the best possible draft pick to make this team better for the long haul. Because I'm just telling you, if they're at seven and they jump up to two, this team, if they had Brandon Miller on it, oh my God, they are that much closer to literally being, to me, a top four team in the Eastern Conference. Love me some Aaron Neesmith. Happy he came on the show. It's not even close. You you throw Brandon Miller in that line. Well, gotta call names out, man. Because I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for Neesmith to catch a stray right there. But you're talking about that type of substitution. It, it skyrockets the ceiling of this Pacers team. To all of a sudden, it just feels like I don't. I still don't know what they'll do with Buddy. But just the fact of having Halliburton, Matherin. Brandon Miller, Miles Turner, those four players right there are just like that is that is such a good foundation. And then you still have, you know, the likes of a, of a Buddy Heald or, or, you know, Andrew Nemhard or Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, whatever. Aaron Smith. 
Aaron Neesmith, exactly. Like that's how you fill out a roster. And we still didn't even talk about the other potential three picks that they might have in the top 31 or 32. So it's just endless potential. But Alex, I still think about it. We slipped from five to six last year. When they did the mock lottery, weren't we supposed to pick second? I believe so. I think I San believe Antonio, so. I think San Antonio won the whole thing in the mock mm-hmm. simulator lottery, whatever you want to call it. And they ended up getting number one. We were number two. So you know what? I think that the, the basketball gods owe it to us. They do. Let's just re redo the mock from last year and make that the actual. You know what? I want Victor Wimbenyama if we can get him because I think he can change it. But he feels like a San Antonio spur. He just he does, does, though. So San Antonio, you can have number one. Just give us number two. Oh, that way please. we can have Brandon Miller. I mean, honestly, like, it's just, it, oh, man. I, I just, the, the fan base would just skyrocket with belief of that anything could happen moving forward. So Pacers were very much due luck. You also got to remember, I mean, that Cavs pick felt like it was a guarantee at one point to come to the Pacers last year. We didn't even get that. We moved down on the draft. It was just like, this feels like the year, those lottery balls, they're, they're going to bounce in our direction. I love the confidence, Fachi. Is there anything else you want to touch on here before we wrap things up? Nope. I would just say, hey, you know what? Very winnable game tonight. I think that you could end up seeing the Pacers in playing territory by, by our next episode. <laughs> but, hey, that remains to be seen. All right. Well, just for fun, since we've been doing a little bit of draft-heavy stuff, do you want me to go ahead and hit that sim lottery button on the Tankathon just see what happens? I do. All right. Let's do it. All right, Fachi. The Pacers stayed the same. They stayed with the eighth overall pick. The Detroit Pistons won the lottery. They get Victor Wimbanyama. The San Antonio mm-hmm. Spurs jumped up to number two. The Charlotte Hornets got number three. And the Wizards jumped up to number four. And they got Brandon Miller in this one. I don't I don't think Brandon Miller is going to four, like you said. But at number eight, the Indiana Pacers will select. Can you guess who it is, Fach? Number eight? Uh, is it Cam Whitmore? It is Cam Whitmore. Oh, all right. Okay. And going just one pick behind him, Grady Dick, number nine. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. he, he, that man's moving up. I mean, now they got him at nine. I mean, oof, wow. Um, but that that means by your simulation, did the Houston Rockets fall to five? They fell to five. Yeah, they dropped three spots, and the Magic fell to six. Wow, the Rockets falling to five. That'd be pretty detrimental for them. But, mm-hmm. um, hey, at the same point, you know what? I, I, we know what it's like to fall in the draft. So <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait, and it just feels like, Day by day, each March Madness game, one at a time, we have the ability to fall in love with a new prospect at any moment because of how many picks the Pacers have in this draft. So it feels like any game you could just say, hey, you know what? I can't say that that guy isn't on the table for the Pacers. Absolutely, Fachi. And no cap, I just hit the sim lottery button again for fun, and we won the lottery. We got Victor Wimbanyama, jumped up seven spots, and the Pistons fell four. The Magic and the, and the Hornets and the Wizards fell too. This is the dream scenario. Portland jumped to number four. So there's the Pacers and three West teams in the top four. That's that the is best the best case scenario. But Fachi, with that being said, we were kind of all over the place today, but it was really fun to just talk about prospects and then like what this team is doing now. But let people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. 
You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our videos. Make sure you subscribe. Let us know what you think. We are close to 1,000 subscribers on our channel. So please do us a big favor and, and subscribe to the channel so we can get to 1,000. And once again, if you haven't already, go to setting the pace podcast dot substack dot com subscribe for absolutely nothing of charge it's a free subscription to check out our articles and stuff like that over on setting the pace podcast at substack dot com but Fachi, if you're excited for the future of the indiana pacers then hit me with those three words let's go pacers setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth Oh, mm-hmm.